It's 2016 and Richo, being me, is back. And so I'm back on Wooshka and I'm here all year. Have a listen. Well, it's Tuesday, the 1st of March, and yesterday in The Australian I wrote a column which I think sums up the last week in Australian politics, and it's all about the fact that the government introduced this legislation to change the way we vote in the Senate. All parties, and I repeat, all parties act in self-interest. That's what it's always about. They'll always cloak it in terms of protecting democracy, but it's always about self-interest. The Greens and the government have combined to knock over the Labor Party on these changes. And what do these changes mean? I, it's fairly complex to try and explain, but the effect of making most of... Uh, most of it's not... Um, you've got to write one to six on the, on the ballot paper, but most of the numbers after that, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, it's all optional. Whereas today, if you, don't, if you want to vote below the line, I mean, you can put one in the box, a tick, or whatever it is, above the line, but if you're below the line... What you have to do is number everything out. If there's 104 candidates for the Senate in New South Wales, an exaggeration, but there's often been 60. You have to number one to 60 to make it uh, a formal vote. Therefore, you opt to just vote above the line and make it easy. Well, the government's changed it, and I'll tell you why they've changed it. By making an optional preferential, they've dif- disadvantaged the Labor Party quite seriously. And, th- and I'll tell you the reason. Obviously, you're, you're all aware, if we're talking round figures... The Greens are getting 11 or 12, the Labor Party gets 38, and the Libs are getting almost 50. They often come in with maybe 46, the rest goes to independents, odd bods and sods. So it's, it's pretty smart to do what they're doing, because in almost every state, and South Australia is the exception, I'll explain why in a moment, the way it works is the Liberals will have about 2.7 quotas. Most states. It'll all be pretty similar. 26, 27, 28. The Greens will have 0.7, 0.8 in a whole lot of places. Um, and so what, what you do is you make sure that, that nobody can pass you because the, the preferences won't be distributed. So no one goes past you. So if you've got the big part of a quota, you win. So for future elections, the Liberals and the Greens have sorted themselves out very, very, very well. And Labor are going to have all sorts of troubles because they're on two, three quotas in most places. And how do the hell do they get past the people on 0.7 and 0.8, because as soon as you introduce optional preferential, not many people take up the option. Most people can't be bothered. It's inconvenient. And also, who's interested? If you're in the big states, there's going to be a minimum of 30 to 60 candidates. Do you really care who comes first, second, third and fourth? The reason that 93% of people go for a, a, a voting above the line, just vote for the party, so you're going to go vote one... Um, you know why that, that happens? Because people can't be bothered. They just say, right, oh, I'm voting Labor, so I'll go, I'll go with Labor's preferences, I'm voting Liberal the same. Whatever they do, OK with me. Because they can't be bothered finding out who's who in a very, very big zoo. And you don't blame them. So you can say it's, it's all very democratic. And oh, by the way, I agree with one point that the government and the Greens are making. It's ridiculous that somebody like Ricky Muir can ever get elected to a parliament. When you've got 400 votes... Less than 500 he got. Uh, less than half of 1%. And he got into the Senate. That is, by its very nature, absurd. So, of course, I want to stop that. But why would you go down this route? 
why change the entire system? Why not simply make one simple decision? Make it a bit larger quota. Say if you don't get 3%, you don't get 4%, whatever it might be. If you don't get that high, you're excluded from the count. Your preference is a distributor. You're out. That would mean all those little guys who have gone the half percent. And by the way, Bob Day in South Australia got 2%. He got up. So it's not as if this is terribly unusual these days. And so I, I think that this decision from the government is, is predictable because it advantages them, it disadvantages Labor, it advantages the, uh, the Greens, disadvantages Labor, everyone's happy except Labor. Now that's fine, that's, that's politics. Now Labor will tell you that it, it, it's, it's the wrong move because, and it's the wrong move because all those people who vote for the minor parties, however many of them there are, finish up in all sorts of strife because their votes are excluded. Out, gone, finished, finito. And so you've got a system that anyone can bag. Remember, as I've said many times, most things in politics you can argue both sides of the, of the case. And very often it's a 51-49 judgment. In my view, this one's about 70-30. I'd have gone for the, the, the quota option before this one, this much more complex option, and I'd have done it very, very simply and very quickly. But that wouldn't have advantaged the Liberals like this one would, so off they go. Now... The reason that, that this is a very, very significant move, that this legislation would come in last week, is that you've got people on the, the crossbench in the Senate, like David Lionhelm, like Bob Day, who almost always vote for the government. Almost always. The other odd bods and sods will come in with them sometimes and not with them other times, but you've got a couple of blokes like that who vote with the Liberals 99% of the time. And if you, you talk to somebody like Bob Day, he's an extremely conservative fellow, let's face it. One of the, the, the very strong religious people. Uh, he's just part of that Christian right that will never vote Labor. Well, that's fair enough. It's a democracy. He has a very big entitlement to be wrong. But I, I'd rather us um, concentrate, if we can, on, on getting the best system. And I don't think we're doing that. But what it means in the meantime, while you're getting the wrong system, those crossbenches are now totally alienated. So at least Malcolm Turnbull's achieved one big thing. He will be able to ensure that the trigger for this double dissolution is, is going to be all around trade union thuggery. And that's what he's always wanted. He'll put up the legislation for the Building and Construction Commission, which I understand will be out, in, introduced next week. And so over the next few weeks, you'll get a vote on that. It'll get rejected. And there's the great trigger for Malcolm Turnbull. He wants to lose that vote. He doesn't want to get that through the parliament because, let's face it, if you're a Liberal, a dyed-in-the-wool Liberal, the one thing you love, the one thing that gets the old juices really flowing is bagging trade unions. And trade union bashing will be the order of the day and how much ammunition have they got. Now, it doesn't matter that Dyson Hayden was biased, and in my view, he and his council assisting Jeremy Stolger were hopelessly biased. They had to be embarrassed into taking on uh, Cathy Jackson and the reason was she was the star witness, she was the one going to be a great witness, suddenly she was tainted well they didn't want to hear about the tainting they rubbish witnesses who tried to stand up and say hang on what about you're relying on this woman and let's have a look at what she's done, no 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 we don't want to look at that eventually of course and I think um, I'd, I'd give uh, Brad Norrington the Australian most of the credit for this they got shamed into actually accepting that their chief witness was a crook and what a crook she was. Not bad, you know, you, you have a first-class holiday to Las Vegas. You go over a first-class holiday to Vegas and you charge it to the trade union. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what health services there are in Las Vegas, but I don't think she was availing herself of too many. You stay in the big flash five stars 
and away you go. You see all the big acts. I mean, you know, Celine Dion and all the rest of it. It's wonderful. It's just wonderful. But you should be paying, not the trade union. But it doesn't stop there. Oh, no. As I said in the column today, wait, there's more. You have a look at Michael Williamson. Millions. That bloke got out of the HSU. Million. Absolute million. Paid his wife hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for secretarial work she never did. He also managed to employ his mistress. That's not bad. On the payroll, he got the wife and the mistress. That's, I think, pretty classy. I dare say that might get... And his son. I forgot. And his son. That's right. Half the family are on there. So it, it, obviously that'll all get a big run. And we've forgotten Craig Thompson there. How could we forget, dear Craig? You've got to remember his use of the credit card, the union credit card, was, to say the least, salacious. And I think we'll hear all about that again. And so you'll get days and days of this, not to mention Bill Shorten, who was embarrassed. He didn't get a, fight, a finding against him. But can you imagine what they'll do with the great pickers? Remember that woman giving evidence about what happened to her, the jockeys who were members and never knew it, and the kitchen hands at Spotless who didn't know the deal that had been done for them? I mean, we're going to see all of them. We're going to hear about all of them. And the Liberals will have a fine old time. Then you've got Derek Beelan in New South Wales. Another absolute shocker. This bloke put a tattoo on mum and dad. And that was on the union. The tattoo is on the union. Mind you, it wasn't just that. Again, hundreds of thousands of dollars ripped off mercilessly. I mean, all of this is just appalling. But it shows you what the Liberals can do with an anti-union campaign. And they will run hard on this. You can bet your bottom dollar... They will have a blowout time. But how long can you make that last? By introducing that legislation on the Senate voting system, by ensuring that you're alienating those crossbenchers, there seems to be only one purpose in mind for doing it now, and that is to make sure you can have an election on the 1st or 2nd of July, I forget which, but whatever the Saturday is. You announce it the day after the budget, because constitutionally that's the only day you can do it, because um, you can't do it before the budget. If you do it before the budget, it's, it's just going to be a mess for the Liberals because they'll be seen to be running and hiding. So they're going to announce the budget and then straight away announce a double dissolution. That means a campaign of almost eight weeks. Now, I remember Hawkey in 84 tried that, and his opponent was Andrew Peacock, not exactly a star, if you remember. I mean, good-looking. Um, the souffle uh, can't rise twice, as Keating said about him, but... You've also got to, the other great expression of kidding, what was it? It was a, a chill waiting for a spine to crawl up or something. So it was, I mean, kidding always had these marvellous expressions. But for Andrew Peacock, he actually won seats off Hawkey at that election because uh, it was way too long a seven week campaign. Uh, some of the interruptions were uh, the revelation of uh, one of Hawke's daughters with a drug problem, uh, him crying on national television, etc. I remember all of that well. So there were, there were plenty of things that went wrong, but in a campaign that goes that long, so much can go wrong. And the other thing you've got to remember about that long a campaign is you cannot possibly run negative for eight weeks. You just can't. You can do it for two weeks. Maybe you could squeeze a bit more than two weeks, but no more. That is the end. You've got to get positive. Now, you've got to ask yourself exactly what have the Turnbull government got to go positive about? Not bloody much. Now, no doubt there'll be a bit in the budget. But as we said last week, there'll be little reforms in the budget. Nothing big. They'll tinker with the tax rates. They're not going to give you the big tax cuts they promised. Nothing like it. You'll get a little bit off here and a little bit off there, which will be paid by some trimming of negative gearing and some trimming of superannuation and cuts to the odd program here and there. There'll be no great knife to programs. This mob don't have the heart for all that they won the 2000. 13 election on. They don't have the heart to do any of the things they said they'd do. 
Uh, one thing you've got to say about Malcolm, he's incredibly bright. He's got this massive ego. And the thing about that ego that none of you should ever forget is it's all about being there for him and it's all about being the star. It was never, ever about what you could do when you got there. It was about getting there and staying there. And no doubt he'll be good at that. I still can't see Labor winning an election. But I tell you what I can see now. I can see being a hell of a lot closer than any of us thought it possibly could be. And the reason for that is this inertia at the top end of the government. And they are absolutely stuffed. They can't come up with an idea. And so they muck around and pretend that it's all part of a, a great plan, that you shouldn't rush to judgment. My God, I've had five months. This is no rush. And still we are waiting. And apparently we'll wait another couple of months, a couple of months to find out what they're about. I think this is appalling politics. And I'll make you a fearless prediction. Apart from the fact that the election will be on the 2nd of July, whatever it is, I'd, I think that if you wait for about two more, three more, maybe maybe three more uh, news polls, you'll start to see the prime ministerial ratings come down. I think people are starting to work this bloke out. And when they do, I, I don't think it'll be enough for Bill Shorten to win an election. But Shorten has at least filled some of the policy vacuum. At least Labor has gone out there. You mightn't agree with what they've done, but they've done something. This bloke is intent on doing nothing and intent on maintaining that. But now he's going to have a gamble. He's going to come out with his blanc-mange budget. He can't do the big election year budget and give you a block of flats in Tasmania each. That won't happen. So there'll be bits and pieces here and there, but no big giveaways. And that means there's nothing great to sell. And yet, that budget is going to have to be the basis of his election campaign. As I said, you can't, in the end, sustain a negative campaign on unions for every day of eight weeks. You've got to go positive after a couple of weeks. And they're going to have precious little to go positive about. And as for their predictions, well, their predictions in the first two years of Liberal government are exactly the same as Labor's for the previous six or seven. Hopeless. Wrong all the time. Not occasionally. Not every now and again but all the time. And it, it, no one's got any faith that we're going to have a surplus. In fact, I spoke to one of Australia's leading economists the other night, Chris Richardson. He's not even sure you'll get a surplus in the next decade. Do you remember the last election campaign, all the talk of the crisis about debt and deficit? That's all gone. It was nonsense at that time anyway. There was never a crisis then. There was an out-years crisis. Now they don't even care about an out-years crisis. They just say, oh, it'll all fix itself over time. We'll just let it run. And all of this is happening because of one single thing, a lack of courage, a lack of guts. If you don't have the guts to bring about big reform, what the hell are you in the job for? That's really my great complaint about Malcolm Turnbull. One thing is for absolute certain, he's one of the brightest people I've ever met. He's got a stellar IQ. He's got everything you need to be a Prime Minister. But does he have the balls? That probably is the one thing he just doesn't have.